Hi, everybody. It's Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast, and I'm really excited about this podcast episode. I have an interviewee who's just as smart as it gets, as helpful as it gets on some topics that can be really abstract and hard to grasp. And his name is Dr. Patrick Lee, and he is the author, the co-author of a book called Body Self Dualism in Contemporary Ethics and Politics, which he co-wrote with Robert P. George. Um, Dr. Lee, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so pleased. Yeah, and just to give everybody just more of an outlook on who you are and what you've accomplished, you are also the... um, you are the director, a professor of bioethics and the director of the Institute of Bioethics at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. You're a nationally known and keynote speaker for ethics and especially on marriage and the value of human life. You went to University of Dallas and you're from Mesquite, which is where my sister and brother-in-law are basically living, which I think is really great. And then you got your PhD in philosophy from Marquette University. So you've been teaching this for a few decades, mm-hmm. um, not, a, not to age you, but you're, you're a pro at this. <laughs> okay. okay. This is what you do, right? Yes, that's, this is what I do. It's what I talk about all the time. Well, okay. I, like I tell my kids, I, I, I'm a nerd. I, uh, and you're I a professional get nerd. For, I'm a professional nerd. I get paid for a nerd. Not a whole lot, but I get paid for a nerd, being a nerd, so. <laughs> I, I'm jealous. I'm personally jealous. I wish, you know, I wish I had the free time to nerd out like, mm-hmm. like the lucky ones get to. Um, I have a cold, so I apologize. My voice sounds a little bit weird, but you're going to be doing most of the talking here anyways. And I, I wanted to have you on this podcast because I just think that donor conceived people can, like, you might be able to articulate in words something that they feel something that they know there's a problem, they know something's wrong, but they don't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. And that is that idea that the, the, your body and your biology doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's going on in the realm of third-party reproduction is people, they're buying sperm and eggs from all around the world and they, they're teaching their kids and they're telling this to themselves that, you know, your genetics don't matter your your donor doesn't matter and it's doesn't feel right to them and why do you think this is and you have a name for it it's body self dualism this concept of the mind and the body being separate can you tell us more about that idea and where it came from yeah the uh, the, the the idea is something an idea that some people you know will hold explicitly but a lot of people hold this i kind of slip into it implicitly and it's the idea that what i am is a kind of conscious something and then my body is outside me and so the the self the the, the, so we with this term body self doing so the self is one it's the idea that the self the what, what i refer to as i is one thing and that could be a process. It could be a set of experiences or whatever. Uh, but then my body is a kind of extrinsic tool. And that, that idea, you, you, you reach it, you, you, you see that idea in various philosophers. 
but also in our culture, I think you have this idea very kind of implicit in a lot of the a lot of the uh, thoughts and a lot, a lot of the justifications for the things that uh, that, that, that that we want to do in our culture. Right. And so body self-dualism, you're arguing, is incorrect. So the idea that right. you have your body and you have your mind and they're separate, you're saying that's mm-hmm. incorrect. Right. Well, I think, the, 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 I think the, the actual truth of the matter is that what I am is a particular kind of bodily being. I, there's a part of me that's non-bodily. I think the, 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 the acts of understanding and willing or non-bodily actions but the the body is part of me. It's not an extrinsic tool. So when I, for example, uh, you know, run, if I uh, walking past a uh, coffee table, I knock off the uh, ashtray. I don't say, "Oh, my body knocked off the ashtray." I say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I knocked off that ashtray," because I'm aware that the body is a part of me. Uh, so uh, so it, it's the same the same thing, the same subject, the same I. That uh, that understands and wills, which are conscious acts, on the one hand, and that also uh, that 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 engages in bodily actions, such as walking and talking and and moving around. So the body is 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 uh, is isn't something extra personal. It's not outside the person. It's part of who the person is. That's what what I think the truth of the matter is. The body self dualist. It's trying to looking at the body as a kind of external thing that I'm going to man, just manipulate in whatever way I want to and use uh, it, it, uh, to get certain kind of uh, um, um, effects that I want, perhaps in my consciousness or perhaps in the long run, something like that. Right. I, I can also see a correlation between like nutrition, like people think that, oh, that that guy's being such a jerk, but maybe he just didn't properly fuel his body that morning and so the by ignoring his body it affects his his person yeah. his 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 personality you know our mm-hmm. right way, yeah. way of interacting um, yeah absolutely so where where did this idea of body self dualism come from because there is well, an original author is there not well, I don't know if there's an, I, yeah, I don't know, it goes way, way back. I mean, you have in, in, in the history of philosophy, you have uh, uh, some of the things that Plato said, that it sounds like what he's, 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 he's saying that what I am is a soul, and then I have a body, and uh, uh, maybe in, in some of the Eastern thinkers, you have uh, that, that kind of idea also. Uh, Rene Descartes in the, in the uh, 18th century or uh, 17th century, excuse me, 17th century says that, uh, well, he says, you know, what I am as an ego, I'm a kind of, I'm a mind, and then I have my body, and I interact with my body. So, and then I think in our culture today, you might have a lot of people who, you know, if you ask them what is a, what is a person, they might even take a materialist position. But if you ask them to justify or to, to argue about some ethical issues, a lot of times they slip into a kind of implicit uh, body self dualism. So a lot of times, on, on, for example, on on questions about the beginning of life or the end of life, someone might say, "Well, oh yes, that's a human organism in the in the womb, but that's not a but that's not a person." Uh, and so what they're doing is they're 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 thinking of the person as something different from the human organism. Or at the end of life, they think, "Oh well, well that's no longer Grandpa anymore. He's he's gone. Grandpa's gone. That's not that's the same human organism." 
that we brought into the hospital a couple of couple of weeks ago, but all all the, this this organism here that has all those tubes, and that's not that's not grandpa. So they're 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 thinking of grandpa or they're thinking of the of the person as something different from the body. And of course this this spills over into uh sex ethics and the whole question about reproduction. People tend to treat the the, the the body as a tool one can use to get certain kinds of conscious experiences or the body we can just manipulate uh, in the way we want to get some kind of future person or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what's what's going on with reproductive technologies. But but you're saying that um, this is just like a common human error, error, even people who aren't familiar with Rene Descartes and like Cartesian philosophy. Yeah. People just commonly make this, this mistake. Yeah, I think it's a kind of a, yeah, I, I think it's something that, that, that someone can slip into and kind of treat their, you know, I, I can treat my own body as if it's an extrinsic tool or treat the bodies of other people. I think. Yeah, treat the bodies kind of, of other temptation. people. It's a, there's a temptation to do that. And, uh, you know, and, and, and our culture moves more and more towards that, uh, I think, in, in various ways. If, if, if I, uh, if I go on the internet and I'm just looking at, uh, at, at, at women's bodies that I don't, you know, I don't know the women. And so I'm not relating to them personally, but I'm, I'm using their, I'm kind of, I'm using their body as detached from any kind of personal relationship. And, uh, so I'm, kinda, I can kind of, someone can slip into kind of thinking of the self as different from the body as a, that yeah, I want to just insert right after your, that comment right there. There was an amazing JP two or John Paul II, Pope John Paul II quote where he said the problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much of the person, uh, right. but that it doesn't show enough. Right, right. It, it's a kind of I think it's a clear case of where I'm kind of detaching the body from the rest of the person I have, you know, if I'm looking at someone's body and getting enjoyment from that, I have no personal relation. I, I'm not related to the other aspects of them, but I've kind of detached their body away from the whole person and using their body as an instrument for my own, for my own pleasure. And that's uh, kind of, that's sort of a, like a practical kind of a, dualism in practice i'm sort of I'm, I'm separating the body from the whole person right. and then using that person's body right so the, this philosophical error it, we just said it applies to pornography um we're gonna go deeper into how it is applicable to reproductive technologies but what mm -hmm. are some of the other like rotten fruits of this this tendency we have to neglect to look at the person in their wholeness well i mean there there's i think a lot of things i think i think there can be a kind of reaction to a kind of if, if we if we articulated a, a body self dualism and say well what i am is a, is a mind and then then i think it can trigger a reaction and say well no no i'm just a body and then deny the deny the spiritual aspects of us that's one one kind of rotten fruit another rotten fruit is to think of the uh uh to to to, to take this position on the beginning of life or the end of life and then on on uh, on questions about uh about marriage and about the differences between the sexes and and reproduction all of the, all of those areas all those questions about the beginning of life the end of life marriage and reproduction all have to do with the interrelationship 
of the to, uh, between the body and the whole person. And um, uh, so if, we, if we've got this sort of separation, we, if we've made a separation in our mind, whether, um, whether explicitly or implicitly, then we're going to end up with, uh, I think, uh, some um, very kind of depersonalized uh, views on all of those, uh, all those areas. You know, in the news lately that I've been very aggravated by is all these these new stories of um, biological males dominating women's sports, kicking women out of their own sport, taking right. college scholarships away from biological females when the 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 males who born males, some of them have, you know, had children as adult men, went into the military as men, and then decided that they wanted to, to change sexes and then now they're like number one competing you know just right just yeah. dominating these women's sports and everyone's supposed to say oh but they feel like women so it's okay like mm -hmm. that's been personally very aggravating recently and i want to in the future i want to have more podcast episodes dedicated to the transgender issue because um those ever they're all being sterilized, right? They're all being castrated. Yeah, yeah. It's a very uh, pursue reproductive technologies. So, um, do you have any comments on that? Well, the, yeah. There. I mean, this is sort of almost like uh, um, uh, sort of a uh, big effect of kind of body self dualism, or or kind of that. There, the, there's this drive, I think, in our culture to identify the self with just the feelings uh, and, and make feelings uh, determinative. And I, think, I mean, I mean, some very well-intentioned people who, who, who don't want people to, to be in pain, don't want people to be suffering, but they're, they're not, I think, thinking clearly about, about what the repercussions of this, of this are, of the, uh, the, um, uh, it, it, it the idea that I could be a woman inside a man's body, that I could literally, truly be a woman inside a man's body, is itself a kind of implicitly thinking of the I, the me, you know, that, that I could be a, a, a woman, but inside a man's body is, is again, identifying the I with something other than something separate from the body. It's body of the body. I, here I am a uh, a feminine, or may, maybe I may be a neutral something, and then I ha happen to have a male body or female body. But I think that's that's really uh, mistaken because I think that the, the, the human being is both body and has a non-physical uh, aspect, has both non-physical and physical aspects. But there are there are aspects of one thing. We're not. I, I'm not just a non-physical thing that has a physical body. So I really can't be a, 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 a can't in truth be a a woman inside a man's body. If, if I if I if I feel like that, then my and it may not be you know someone's fault that they feel like that, but they are suffering from a kind of a dysphoria. There there's a gender dysphoria. They 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 are unhappy with the body as they their the body as it really is. And so we need to help them try to in bring in line their feelings with the reality rather than rather than try to 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 um to, to mutilate the or rather than to mutilate the body in order to bring it in lines with their feelings which and that never that, that does not end up being successful 
Well, that, that's, I mean, that, that's sort of the end, sort of the almost, the, that's connected up with all these other, other issues, because I think it's, 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 it's part of this idea and this drive to make my feelings uh, determinative of what is reality and to ignore or to, 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 to think of the body as sort of outside the self as, and then and completely manipulable. Right. There's, there's a piece that comes along with just accepting reality and accepting what you mm-hmm. can't change. Um, this is a topic I'm really interested in, but I, I want to get back to, to, to the use of body self dualism in reproductive technology specifically. Right. And, and last podcast episode, I interviewed a doctor, a scientist named Craig uh, Trzinski, and he he described um, how he got his start in the, the science of animal reproduction, and he got all his accolades and PhD education in biology and reproduction, and he started working in the agricultural industry where he would use artificial insemination for livestock, and then he got called and asked to work in the IVF lab at LSU Shreveport, I think, and and he was creating human embryos in the lab using artificial insemination and IVF for for infertile couples. But he he could only take this for for five years, and he had enough because he just he the moral like he was he became a conscientious objector. He just couldn't do it anymore, and. Uh, you know, listeners who are listening now who are interested in that podcast, they can go back. Um, it's, it's episode 11, but but the, he, he he was fine doing it for animals. He was not mm-hmm. fine doing it for humans. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. what is that difference? What is that well, difference of like, you know, a cow not knowing who his dad is versus a human being conceived in the exact same way? Why is it so upsetting for some of us? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the, because any of the other animals, the, the, they can, they have a kind of a, an affection for whoever is close to them, but they don't have a, a, an actual rational knowledge of this. And we, we other animals uh, are not persons, but uh, human beings are per- persons they, because we have, uh, we have this capacity to shape our own life and to enter into a personal relationship where we love another for his or her own sake. And we give ourselves to each other, to to others, and this capacity, this basic kind of basic, you say, radical capacity to shape my own life and uh, by my own deliberate choices, and to enter into a personal relationship with each other, with with other persons. That's something that that is that is peculiar to persons, to to, to human beings. Uh, they have this uh, their body their bodily beings, but they also have this basic radical capacity for rational actions and that 's true of each and every human being it, 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 the, the, this basic capacity may uh, not be actualized at this point I, you know I may be in a coma, I may be too young at this point I may, maybe i 'm an embryo or a fetus inside my mother 's womb i 'm still uh, developing. And, and I, but but I still am the kind of being who has this basic capacity to shape my life by my own deliberate choices, by my own free choices. Right. And so that makes me a different kind of being. And so I think this is why we 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 recognize that that it's it's not morally okay to use another person as a mere means 
uh, to treat the person as just something uh, as a tool or as a means toward my own uh, my own ends. Um, uh, so I have to take account. I mean, in a way, I, I can't help but use other animals that way because they they can't they, they since they don't have free choice choices they their ends are set by other people. But I but a free person a person who has free choice um, can set their own ends and their own goals, their own ends, ENDS. And so uh, uh, there's that, there's that, there's that, I think, a, a, a stark uh, and a radical dividing line between persons on the one hand and other uh, animals on the other hand. And so it's, it's, it's okay to use other animals for our own ends, but it's not okay to, to treat another person as a mere means, to, to treat, to enslave another person, for example or to treat them as, as just a product uh, for, for my own, uh, uh, my own uh, uh, projects. Well said. You're, you're oh, we have an audio problem. Um, maybe, maybe it's okay. Um, you reminded me of a movie that I saw years ago with Hugh Grant where he was a doctor in a New York like a Manhattan hospital and they were curing all these diseases and 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 what they ended up doing at the end of the movie was they realized that there was an underground population of homeless people that they were just kidnapping and extreme measures their yes organs right. mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you reminded me of right now with mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the that movie is was uh, Extreme Measures, I think. It was in the nineties. I think Gene Hackman the Gene Hackman and uh, Hugh Grant, I think, were in that movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and um yeah, I think he and he he had a very impassioned argument there. He was severing the uh the uh, uh severing the spinal cord of uh, these homeless people. And uh, Gene Hackman was the was the, was the was the uh, was the older uh, physician who was who was making progress in, in these experiments? Uh, it was Gene Hackman was the one who was doing the the, the severing of the spinal cord. But in any case, Gene Hackman had this argument where he made this impassioned plea. He says, "Well, if I could cure cancer by killing one people, wouldn't you have to do it? Wouldn't I have to do that?" And so, and, and you know, it, so this idea, but but, and of course, we we recognize, no, you, you can't you can't use someone in, in in an experiment just for your own uh, purposes. You we have to 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 take account of their own good and treat them as as worthwhile in themselves. And right. that's where that's the dividing line, I think, between persons and non-persons. And that's, I think, what's going on. With, that's what's problematical, I think, when we start looking at the body as outside the self. Then we look at the body, which is really not outside the self. We look at the bodily person, other bodily person, for example, as things that we can use and maybe, you know, for experiments or for our, for our, uh, for our own well-being. Very well said. Um, I think that's particularly uh, in the reproductive, um, in, in that, in that, in the whole, in that uh, reproductive technology, that reproductive kind of engineering there. Uh, that that's you, that that's that's what's problematical about this sort of making a baby, 
because if you if if you in if if the idea is if, if if what they're trying to do is to to make a baby in the lab then they're providing a baby to someone for the their their purpose for for the purpose of those other of, of those people so in other words they're they're treating that baby as a product and maybe they you know down the line they'll 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 begin to to care for the baby but the act of making a baby is uh providing a baby for somebody else's purposes and so that's subordinating the interest of the baby to someone else and so that's 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 uh absolutely yeah i have very strong feelings there's the key there's i think there's the key problem there and that that um that influences all the things going on in that industry the language you can see this of course in the language i'm not telling you anything new but the language you know when they're talking about well we can we we you know they they uh uh, they might uh, create several embryos several little um Human, tiny human beings, in order to use them to get the the the, the most, uh, you know, the, the ones that are going to be more successful. So they're using these embryos, and well, we need to we need to create eggs so that we can use them. And so that 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 idea of use is 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 just uh, uh, right there at the at the That's at the center of it all. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really concerned with with popular use of 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 reproductive technologies, you know, IVF germination is the grow your own victim phenomenon which is happening yeah um, you right. know in canada they just busted three or four hundred adults who were trafficking children mm-hmm. and creating child pornography and with the use of surrogacy and egg donation and sperm donation like now you can like pedophiles can grow their own victims, buy for it, buy it, pay for it, and you know you can start abusing a child very quickly, and they do. And people aren't talking about this, and they and they think that it's and, and that's the extreme side. You know, you can use a child some degrees back, some degrees more towards normal, and it can still be traumatic for the child. You don't have to be the most extreme form of abuse, but right. definitely like what I experienced growing up is just the the. I was, I had a great mom and not not everything was perfect, but I see the good, I see the bad, but, but I definitely felt that sense of like, here's a sad person. Now you're being born to make them happy. Right. Mm -hmm. My job was to make them happy. And if I wasn't doing that, then I wasn't doing my job that I was created to make. So Mm -hmm. there's, I, I, that point resonates with, with me. And what's the difference between that kind of conception and like a normal conception in marriage, like a husband and wife who really do love each other and they, you know, have coitus and they just spontaneously conceive. Like, is there a. Yeah. I think this is, and and I think this is uh, very important for our culture because we're, we're, we're getting confused about what marriage is, what's going on in sex. It's, It's, and it's bound up with kind of thinking of the, of the, of the, body is kind of an extrinsic tool but i think that the, the, what, what what we need to get back to is mar- get an idea of what marriage is and how sex sort of fits within marriage or how sex builds up a marriage and, and uh so I, I would say marriage is a special kind of union obviously but it's what makes it special it has to do with this body self 
relationship here. Uh, the marriage is, isn't just, we, we tend in our culture to think, oh, marriage is a, uh, is a kind of a, an emotional union, and then it's sex is added, as if it's, so you got the emotional union over here, and then they do this, they, they maybe perform the sex in order to signify or in order to express their, their emotional union, and, but we've got the, the emotional union separated uh, from the, from the bodily, and that's not, that's not, that, that leads to also that leads to a lot of problems. I think the 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 true way to look at marriage is that it's a it's a union of a man and a woman where they they're they're committed to sharing really their whole lives with each other on all their, on all levels on the body on the motion on the bodily level the emotional level and the spiritual level. So, you know, two people, they fall in love, they want to become one with each other, they want to spend a lot of time with each other, they, they, they really want a unity to each other, and eventually they want a, a bodily unity. So that, that sexual intercourse between a man and a woman isn't just the one person doing, you know, pleasurable things to the other and then vice versa, it's they really do become bodily one, and so it's really the fulfillment or it's really partially the the the, the, the fulfillment of that uh, of that love that they have when they love they when they love each other they fall in love they want to become one they want a unity and that bodily unity is the is part of their of their sharing their lives on all levels so marriage is this total unity of the of the of the persons and all their levels on the bodily the emotional and the spiritual. And the bodily, so the bodily union, when they become one body in the sexual act, and only a man and a woman can do, uh, can re- become one body. They really do become uh, um, one flesh, as it were. They become organically one. They become an that when they when they perform sexual intercourse, uh, they become uh, the the single subject of a single biological act, uh, the single subject of a single biological function. Yeah, I read, I think, in What is Marriage from from Dr. Robert George, Professor mm-hmm. George, that the, a woman has a reproductive system that doesn't work by itself, and a man has a reproductive system that right. doesn't work by itself. And only when they like, get together do their reproductive halves become Now they become one, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that. It, it, yeah, none of us has a complete reproductive system. We have a complete sensory sensitive or complete nervous system we have a complete respiratory system complete circulatory system but we don't have a none of it each of us has just you know one part of the reproductive system so in sexual intercourse they become the single reproductive uh, uh, function there and 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 so they really do become biologically one they really have made it it's not it's not just a spatial unity they're not just one sticking his finger in the other's ear that's not right. a that's oh, not that's really. just a spatial unity right. or, or 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 an organ in in, in an orifice it, it's 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 they become that their bodily parts are now related to each other the way in which the bodily parts of a single organism are related to each other so so they really do become biologically one and that but and that bodily unity is part of in marriage it's it's the embodiment of or part of their total sharing of lives on all on all levels of their of their humanity, and so that and, and then the, 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 that's that's the embodiment or the uh, or 
part of their personal, their, their total personal unity. As long as they've committed, as long as they're intending that and, and have made the commitment to share their lives on all levels, uh, then then it is embodying that. Of course, if 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 they have sexual intercourse and they um, and they're not married, they they haven't committed themselves to sharing their lives with each other. Then they're using their bodies for for whatever purposes. But if in marriage, I think it's this embodiment of their of their commitment to share their lives on all levels. And then if if they and they if they have a child, then that's then that conceiving of, and rearing a child together is the prolongation, sort of the the the, the extension of their personal unity. And uh, so, it, and it's it's not something that they just simply can sit down and do. What they they become one body, and then it might or might not result in the in in the conception of a child. So. Uh, if they do conceive a child that supervenes upon or is something in addition, kind of a, a, a gift that supervenes upon their bodily unity. So what they intend, the conduct that they are able to perform, they voluntarily bring about is the is their bodily unity, the the the, the expression of their of their marital love. But then they um uh, in marriage and, and if you know they're not using ivf then the coming to be of the child is a gift that supervenes upon that union and so it's a gift that it supervenes upon the the, the bodily expression of their love and so it's completely in line with or com- with the respect and and the love of the child for uh, for herself and they're not they're not making a child or producing a child for their own ends what they're doing is they're embodying their love and then they may hope to have a child from that but that right. but they're not they're not sitting down and and uh producing a child for an extrinsic end they're embodying their love and then uh the, the child comes to be as the as the fruit or the gift of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a uh, quote from your book that I really love and I want to read and then you can comment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys wrote, our general duty toward other people becomes specified by the connection or closeness to me of those who are in need. But the physical unity or continuity of children to their parents is unique. The child is brought into being out of the bodily unity and bodies of the mother and the father. And the mother and the father are in a certain sense prolonged or continued in their offspring. So there's a natural unity of the mother with her child and a natural unity of the father with his child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you expand on that? And, and yeah. Um, yeah. The, the question that we were we were looking at there is what's the source or of the special responsibility to that that a person has toward uh, his children or her her children so uh uh i think first of all i i do have a uh, i have in a way i have responsibilities to to all people or anybody i run into but i have special responsibilities to to some people i have more greater responsibility to my children for example uh, so, and, and the question was, well, what's the source of this special responsibility that I have to, toward my children? And, 
And I think the, the answer is that if we stand back a little bit and say, well, uh, uh, I acquire responsibilities or special responsibilities to someone through, by being a, having a special union with them. And so I might, you know, I, I have a union with my brothers and sisters. I have a special union with my parents. And, and the, that special, the, or, or even if, you know, if, if uh, somebody rings a doorbell and I, and I uh, get up and I open the door and there's a, there's a baby on, so somebody's left a baby on my front porch. Well, there's a kind of special union now. <laughs> there's a closeness or a connection. So, so in other words, the, 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 the closeness or the connection, the union that I have for someone gives rise to a special responsibility I have. The, not all, I mean, I, I can also have a special responsibility because I've agreed to or made a commitment. But I also, but, but, but before that, I have special responsibilities to people just in virtue of having a special kind of union with them. Now then, I think the bodily union that a father has toward his children or the bodily union that a mother has toward her, her child, that bodily union is a very unique, very, very full union in a way the child is the prolongation. The child, of course, is distinct from from his mother or his father, but there's still a, a, a special kind of bodily union. And that bodily connection we, is the ground of a special kind of responsibility. Now that would be a responsibility on the part of the on the part of the parent, and then sort of reciprocally, the child that also has a right to the love and care of his or her own mother and father, in virtue of that 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 special uh, bodily connection or bodily union uh, and so uh, that means that that uh, the, the, I have a, a obligate I have a special obligation toward my children not just because I you know we, we took the child home from the hospital but in virtue of his or her you know in virtue of these children being my own biological children that that special union Right. And that special union, I think, also gives right, as I said, the, the child then the, you know, has a kind of a right to that, that, that the love, the, the love and the care of his own, not just some mother and father, but, but if possible, the, the, the love and the care of his own mother and father. That, 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 in a way, that's part of who he is. Part of who I am is, is the connection I have to, to my own, my own particular parents. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you there. And it's really frustrating in the the realm of donor conception and all the controversies. Um, the, you know, a man who, like, let's say a woman wants to get pregnant, she goes to a bar, sleeps with the first guy she meets. Okay, well, that man, um, even though the, the parents didn't have a, re- a real relationship, he's still responsible, at least for, like, yeah. child support and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And rightly for, for, right. for, for yeah. basic provisions for the child. And yeah people don't like it when you know if if a man engages in coitus with a woman and she conceives a child society does not like it when that man doesn't have anything to do with the child when he abandons his responsibility so deadbeat dads are bad but then like in the media and in so many puff pieces and cultural conversations there's actual praise of sperm donors you know these men are like on the bachelor there was a a bachelor candidate who was bragging about having like 112 offspring. And mm-hmm. these are all children that 
he has no relationship with, he makes no financial provision for, and and the fact that he was bragging was nauseating as a donor consent person, mm-hmm. just nauseating. Yeah. And so um, thank you for articulating that, you know, when you engage in a baby making activity, whether it be coitus or sperm donation or something like there's just there's a natural responsibility that you have to raise that child mm-hmm. because right. they are of your body and you made a choice at some point to conceive you know uh, unless you were raped and in the case of men it's quite difficult to um, extra- extract a, a man's mm-hmm. seed uh, it's a choice on his part mm-hmm. almost every time right mm-hmm. so right. The, that responsibility is there and just thanks for articulating that that mm-hmm. um, to have someone just affirm that is really nice um so we got to wrap up we're we're okay. kind of getting to our limit but is there anything else you want to say like about what it means to be a fully integrated human being or like what do we what does society need right now in terms of this conversation and, and well, I, I, I mean, I think this 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 point that that the body is is a part of who I am, and and, uh, and therefore there's going to be a lot of implications about the relationship between parents and children, between uh, about marriage, about the the differences between the sexes are not. Uh, it's a very complicated issue, but 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 we should not be trying to just simply suppress all those differences and deny those differences. Obviously, you don't want to. Um, uh, uh, exaggerate the differences between men and women, and, and kind of and, and stereotype. But but we don't want to make it our you know our effort to just simply drive them away. So uh, uh, there's a whole spectrum I think of where where our culture we're trying to deny the significance of uh, of, of our of, of the human body, and so I think we need to to, to say no that that you know we need to make an improvement we need to stand back and say, no, the, the body is part of us. And so, and we, we need to appreciate that too, the, the differences there. Well said, well said. Well, Dr. Patrick Lee, thank you so much for your insights and well, for doing what you do. Um, Dr. Patrick Lee is the director of bioethics at Franciscan University and just a professional nerd who's so helpful <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to these human questions. So We'll have to have you back on at some point um, to talk about something else that okay, we can out about. Thank you, Alana, very much. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you for all your work. Thank you. All right. This has been another episode of Dealing with Donor Conception. Um, you can check out the show notes for relevant links and bios when it comes to Dr. Patrick Lee. And we also have a survey in the show notes that you can take. Um, about what kind of content you would like us to, to talk about for the show. So please check out the show notes. Thank you guys again. Have a great day.